from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. The birth of Jesus. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Cleonus was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child laying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Praise the word of the Lord. Unto you this night is born a savior. Awesome. But like savior from what? This is the question that has been with Christians ever since this story was first told 2000 years ago. From what are we saved? Depending on who you ask and depending on where they live and when they live, you're going to get a different answer. So for some folks, it's saved in the afterlife. And for some folks, if you're in, say, Costa Rica, where nativity scenes will often depict one of the wise men carrying a chicken rather than frankincense or gold, it might be a salvation from hunger. 
Or if, like the shepherds to whom these angels first appeared, you were under an oppressive tax system, under a military regime that claimed to bring peace throughout the world, maybe you needed salvation from the knock in the middle of the night. Or maybe you needed salvation from the endless cycle of debt that might plague you as a hand-to-mouth subsistence farmer. What we need saving from is an important question because without that, how is this story good news? Why is this story worth telling every year? Why is it worth hearing and loving and repeating and interrogating and wondering about? I think it's kind of harder for first world Christians, honestly, because, you know, we got food. Hopefully we have rent money. There's no one who's going to come check on how we voted in the last election or tell us how we're going to vote in the next election. There's no one who needs bribing in order to make sure that we actually get clean water. So, you know, life seems okay. And so, but I wonder in this last year and a half of this everlasting, exhausting, maddening, and at times terrifying COVID, I wonder if we've had some of our illusions ripped away a little bit. We have a culture that tells us that if we try hard enough, if we work hard enough, maybe if we eat the right things or if we exercise hard enough or if we say enough positive affirmations, then anything is possible. So sometimes it isn't. Sometimes stuff happens for no reason we can see. Sometimes a global pandemic happens, not because God is particularly mad at us, but because viruses happen and viruses are a fact of life and viruses keep mutating because viruses like humans want to live and they will evolve and do what they need to do to keep living. And suddenly we discovered how little control we had and how much we needed other people. How much we needed people in China loading shipping crates and to bring cargo across the Pacific Ocean. We've discovered in the last couple of months how much we need BC highways to be open for our stuff to get from the Port of Vancouver to Lanigan or Calgary or Toronto or wherever else we are. We've discovered how much we need human connection and our neighbors, how much we need unsung heroes who are underpaid and overworked in care homes and grocery stores and Amazon warehouses. We have discovered again that we are not islands unto ourselves, that we are not completely self-sufficient, no matter how hard we try and how much we work. 
And we have, I think many of us, had our hearts broken one way or another in this last year and a half. Whether it's stories of people in care homes who died without their loved ones there and without even the dignity of clean bedsheets. Whether it was our own loved ones that we couldn't see or parents with dementia who kept asking why we weren't coming or why we still had to keep wearing these masks. There have been and continue to be really painful stories. And so I just wonder sometimes if we in this country of ours, in this province of ours, in this life of ours, need saving from the idea that we can do it completely ourselves. That we don't need anybody. That we can be self-made people. Now I know that there are a lot of folks here tonight with strong work ethics and I am not knocking that. And I am not knocking the stories of people who have come from dysfunction and chaos and managed to find a path of healing and wholeness and new life out of that. That is a miracle and a gift. But I wonder in this story, when the salvation comes as a baby lying in a manger, a baby who can do little else than cry and feed and sleep. I wonder if salvation comes as a baby because a baby will crack our hearts open. A baby's vulnerability makes it very hard to be cynical. A baby's vulnerability will inspire perfectly rational, mature adults to make complete idiots out of themselves in an effort to make the baby laugh. The smell of a baby's head, the feeling of a baby falling asleep on our chest, that softens us and opens up all the defenses we thought we had and all the cynicism and masks we had to make us say, there is something really special here. And so I wonder, I wonder if in this story, God comes as a baby because God comes not on a horse. God comes not as a mighty leader. God comes not with all the weapons and all the power and all the money, but God comes with all the love to say, you, you who think you are not worthy, you who think you have screwed up too many times to be given another chance, you who think that you are unlovable, that nobody wants you, you who think that your flaws make you unworthy to accept love, you who think that all you deserve is a toxic or abusive relationship, you who have so much pain that the only way to blot it out is the bottle or the needle, you, you are loved. And there is nothing, no mistake big enough, no pain heavy enough, no guilt ugly enough to come between you and that love. Friends, you know way better than I what your own demons are and what it is you need saving from. 
But the reason I love this story and the reason this story got me in church after a lifetime of being convinced that I was smarter and more worldly and more interesting than any Christian I knew is that this story breaks my heart open again and again and gives life and healing where I wasn't sure there was any. So whatever this story is for you, if it's a reminder of the miracle of babies or if it is the promise of new life, love and healing are for every one of us. Amen.